Hello and welcome to the next class. I'm Rob Bertzell, your host, and this is a unique podcast. We're here at Lone Rock Retreat Center in Colorado, and I have about 10 aspiring leaders in the audience today who have been given the freedom to interrupt us at any time. I am joined by a good friend, John Ray, who was the president of Modern Day Catholic High School, did an amazing turnaround that we're going to talk about, and John and I are going to be talking today about the skills, qualities, uh, of a strong and aspiring Catholic school leader, what, what these aspiring leaders need to learn and do, identify in their skill set where they need some gaps to fill in. So that is the conversation today. So, John, welcome. Great to be here, Rob. By the way, I told John we were doing this five minutes ago, so he's a little upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> but as listeners, regular listeners to the next class, a lot of my guests get upset with me. <laughs> and we're just starting, John. So, um, John, you came to Modern Day Catholic High School six, seven years ago? As president, 2016, but I've worked with the school since 2001, the previous school, Marian Catholic. So he has a lot of history at the school, but he came into it, uh, and it was in a bit of, what you say, disarray? Is that exaggeration? Um, well, Cardinal McElroy, who you've read the essay from, he told me Modern Day was about to be deemed a failing school, and... <laughs> He was getting ready to start prepping to close the school. So it was a pretty tough situation. I did not know that, even being on the inside. And then my first few days on the job, when I got to see the finances, I was like, wow, this is bad. I called my best friend back in New York, and I said, I think I made a mistake. I need to get out of this. So um, I was like, it was about a month where I just couldn't sleep because I knew it was going to be absolute hell to try to turn this around. And uh, that was July 2016. I was younger. I just turned 40. I wasn't sure if I definitely wanted to do the job because I had my foot both in the education world and the business world. I had a pretty good-sized tax practice. I'm a CPA. So I was considering going all in on that. And then I'm like, oh, I'll give it a shot. But then uh, I remember we had $150,000 in the bank. And somebody had just approved an invoice for about 100000 And I was like, how am I going to do this? How, how is this possible? And enrollment went down seven straight years. Um, we were at 680. We had a brand new elementary school that had TK or pre-K, K first and second. There was a huge exodus. We had nine students in second grade. Everybody was leaving every day. So we were pretty close to having to close an elementary school as well. We had an adult school on campus. There was three schools that really didn't know much about. I was trying to make sure we just didn't upset our donors with that one because it was funded by a foundation. So there was a lot of moving parts. And I was a young, new president trying to get my head around all of it. So that sets a stage for what John walked into. Hopefully none of you have such a dire extreme, but it gives you an example of this is where he's walking into. I met John in um, fall of 2017. I'm not sure. 18? first, like, sort of cold call email yeah. that I've ever answered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rob, because, you know, as, once you become, um, like, a president, you get all of these, you know, all of you get a lot of the emails from different sales companies. And Rob, he wrote a great email, and he talked about his Cristo Ray and Drexel Fund. And I'm like, Wow. I think you asked for five or 10 minutes on the, on the phone. I said, five minutes. Called, and then he said he was going to be down in San Diego at some point. And we had a great call. And 
we had an international program, but what they were doing was very different. And we just hit it off from then. So that was one of the things we were working on. We knew we needed to get students in there. So I was trying to look into all you know, different options out there. So I'm not sure. I think it was probably fall of 17. I think so. Could have been, I don't know. Um, I walked on campus. They had just redone the campus. They, moved, they went from Marion Catholic High School to Modern Day Catholic High School. Brand new, $25 million campus. So they found a donor the beginning of the resurgence, the resurrection, if you will. And I walked on the campus and I, I called the, one of my colleagues, uh, John Langto. I said, I just found the school we need to partner with. <laughs> and then I went in and met John. I'm like, okay. And then we start talking about what you guys are going to be doing this afternoon, which is a lot of the work of Patrick Lencioni and the table group around leadership styles. And we just, we talked for an hour about Lencioni, yeah. not even international or the school. It was really funny because so from, July of 2016 to probably October, I pretty much read every leadership book I can find and every turnaround book I can find. I was just, how do we turn around schools? How do you turn around a nonprofit? How do you save an organization? I was just reading every night, all night. I'm just, so that I couldn't find anything. But then I came across Jim Collins, Good to Great, and I said, there's something here. So I sort of put that one to the side. Then we had a presenter come in at some point and they mentioned Lencioni in the table group. And I'm like, Ooh, I really like this. So I remember calling the company and I said, are there any consultants in your entire, in the country who has experience working with Catholic schools? And they said there was one. One, Bob Burnett's, who's a good friend of mine. So that was probably October of 2016. And um, talked to him. He goes, you need to put together a leadership team. There was no leadership team at that point. You know, we were just trying to figure things out. It was a mess. It was just flying by the seat of the pants. And um, so in January 2017, I convinced nine people that they were going to be part of this leadership team. <laughs> so we went to our first, and they had no idea what they were getting into. No idea. <laughs> I may have told a few white lies. <laughs> so we went to St. Bridget's, which is a little parish um, in the beach, in Pacific Beach. And we spent two days going through the, our first offsite. And it was really, really tough. Because we started asking the tough questions of who we are, why we exist, why people come to the school. And there was an old guard there that had very different views because they thought everything was fine. Oh, everything's written. I'm like, really? Everything's okay? We're about to close. So that was very, very, very challenging. So uh, that's when we started our journey. But going back to what Rob said, when we met, Amerigo was going through the exact same process with the table group. So we just hit it off so we can talk the same language. And, you know, that's probably what sort of connected us with Amerigo. I said, I really trust Craig and Rob and David. Like, they knew they had the same philosophy. They were focused on organizational health. And that's, um, we, you know, where Rob and I connected. So 600 students, 2016. When you left and gave Father Martinez the reins, how many students? I think we're at that point we were close to 1,100 or so. And um, the elementary school, we grew. We had 450, but we, could, we had a waiting, class, waiting list of probably 50 per grade. We, we, we could have been, we had double graded. We could have been quadruple graded. But the Cardinal said, you, you have to stop because you're going to close all the other schools. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, it, it was really tough. And I remember talking to our table group consultant. Do you want me to go into this a little bit now? And um, I said, Bob, I don't think this is possible after that first offsite. Uh, it, this is not possible to save. He said, 
give it 18 months. You'll know then by 18 months. And I sort of had that 18 months because that would have been the end of my two years. I sort of put that on my calendar. I said, just hold on until then. Figure out a way to hold on um, because I wanted out. I, I really wanted out. He said, John, this is meant for you. You can do it. You know, he was telling me a bunch of lies just to try to keep me going. <laughs> so um, we just started and um, tried to build a team, but then at the same time and create some energy and enthusiasm, start cutting the fat. Quick, decisive, like in one of the articles we read, just started moving people one by one. Very, very quick, very quietly. The people who were just not bought into the culture, who really didn't care about the success of the school and they were more focused on their own success and salary. Um, So we did that a few times really hard. But then people started coming into my office. Introverts who never said much said, thank you. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I I said, well, I can't talk about it. Thank you for everything you're doing. See you on Monday. So I knew there was something. It was resonating with people. The hardest part was with that elementary school, there was a a beloved principal that was not getting it done. And we got executive coach, another executive coach, and they both told me, John, this will never work. So I'm a new president having to remove a beloved elementary school principal in my first year. That was a nightmare. Mm. Hardest thing I've ever done. That came out. There was a line outside my office for pretty much 30 days. I couldn't go to the parking lot. Couldn't go to the parking lot because people would, I'd have to watch, talk to security, make sure there was a clear path and get out. So they wanted town halls and all that. I said, I'm not doing that. I will meet with every single one of you one-on-one. Security outside my office because some of them were very, very aggressive. Met with them one-on-one. I said, I'm committed to the success. We're going to find a replacement. We're going to make this work. Um, Haven't thought about that in a while, but that was really, really challenging. We got through there, but then I started getting a little bit of trust from them, just a little bit. They knew I was in it. I said, really? I'm like, I want this to work just as much as all of you. I'm like, you know, we're, we're, we're in this together. So that started the process, and then we started trimming some things at the high school as well. So I was trying to work on the elementary school and the high school at the same time. So while we're doing that, we started to get everybody aligned, who we are, answering the six questions that I'll talk about in the next session. That was really sort of fun and challenging. We really had to look at ourselves and say, why do we exist as a school? Right? Everybody has mission statements. I don't believe in mission statements. I just don't believe in them. Why do you exist? Why do you wake up? Why do we all work so hard? And then what are our values? How do we behave? Because then very quickly, once you start looking at your values, you realize certain people just don't fit in. And it's very obvious, and they're hurting your culture. Mm. And they need to be cut out. Boom. And the people who really are your star employees, they need to get rewarded and recognized and elevated. So then just started moving the org chart around, elevating somebody to maybe, I said I was going to interview for every position, but we didn't have time. So um, we made somebody an assistant principal, actually Noel Vion, who's Ken Hickey's just hired as a principal, which is really, really cool. I was so happy. So I'm like, I need some help here because everybody's been doing this. They were 20 and 30 years older than me. They just were not thinking ahead. They didn't want to get better. So I needed somebody who really wanted to shake things up. 
we moved a few other people and we got young, hungry people, tenacious, who just wanted to get things done. And I told the story, I said, we're gonna turn this around. This is gonna be great. We're gonna remember this for the rest of our lives. This is how we're all gonna be connected. So there was people who even left when I first started. I remember our director of IT left. So I had to find the new director of IT. That was a new CFL we brought in, new director of advancement. We made some changes. John came in in admissions. Um, we got a few other VPs and we just brought in a really strong team. Oh, this is a funny story. So um, I'm sort of all over the place because Rob didn't give me a chance to prep for this. So, <laughs> so um, um, it was October 2016. And a good friend of mine, Morkin Barnes, who's part of this group, he was the president of um, Christian Brothers in Sacramento for... 24 years he became a high school president at 28 so he was sort of like mentoring me along the way i'd have calls with him every week or so i'm like lork and how am i going to do this but anyway he said john we run a really good open house he goes you should come up here so i would love to i said could i bring my whole team there so john myself and eight other people went up there on a sunday morning on october 2nd 2016 we watched her open house it was the best open house i've ever seen we came back and I said, all right, we need to figure out a way to do this in three weeks. So we did this and that's when momentum started happening. Things started growing from there. There was an excitement at the school. So the turnaround is, is amazing. I mean, 600 to 1100 and now it's? 1250, I think at the high school and about 450 at the elementary school. So 1650 students now. Yeah. It's so successful. Amerigal is capped out. We can't yeah, get any more sorry. kids there. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, so looking at these aspiring leaders, John, um, and, and the, the listeners also that are aspiring to become school presidents, what, what is absolutely critical for a school president? What is a skill that you wish somebody or, or a talent or something, a trait that in 2015 you wished somebody would have told you? All right. Good question. I, I thought about that. Um, first, I would just start educating yourself on leadership as much as possible. Read every single philosophy book article, podcast that you can possibly find so you can figure out what resonates with you. Then speak to every single good leader that you know. Talk to them, take them to lunch, go to coffee, pick their brain, ask them how they make decisions, how um, they make you know easy decisions, tough decisions, how to decide when they're going to move forward, um, how they process very challenging situations. Um, get as many reps as possible at your own school or in different organizations, boards, get reps because you need to build that confidence because it's all, it's a confidence game. You need to have your philosophy and you need to have confidence. Build a trust circle that you can have around you, a network of people who are going to support you because I'll tell you, these jobs are impossible if you don't have your trust circle. There, you will fail. So have people, and I'm happy to always answer questions for anybody, people like Rob, people like all the leaders in the other room, you need to have your trust circle. Um, any chance if your president is gone, see if you can be an acting president. You have to get used to the pressure of it all being on your shoulders. So those are a few things that I wish I would have had the opportunity to do that I didn't, um, but I was fortunate to have a really good trust circle. That's great. Well, congratulations on the work of Matter Day. It, it truly, if you get a chance to go to San Diego, Aaron, you should run down there. It is, it is a remarkable school. And just to know what it was and what it became, is, that's what I was so impressed with. That it, it, was, it was 
about to be closed. And now it's one of the nicest Catholic high schools I've been to. I mean, the campus is gorgeous. The team is solid. Uh, they've got this former entrepreneur from Silicon Valley who doesn't wear shoes that the kids love um, because he's, he's he did it. He he what he took two companies public and uh, he did everything he, uh, but but the, but like finding that kind of talent, the kids like a guy like that. You know, this guy made it, and the kids like that. So, um, do you have anything more? Or do you want to flip it? Um, I was just putting the traits that I think some of the traits I was just trying to write down that I think are really important. So. I just think that humility and being humble, I, I think that's, for me, I always tried to pride myself on being as humble as possible. And I think that's, I always had a saying, egos kill schools, right? And, you know, the, the head of school, the president, they're just the same as everybody else. They just get a chance. They can hire and make the tough decisions and sign the checks. So I tried to always challenge myself when there was an event, if there wasn't enough chairs, you know, take the trash out put the chairs out. I think that's just so important. And the other thing I always say to new principals, you better be super smart in your craft. The smartest person, if it's curriculum, you have to be at one thing, you have to be the best person on campus. And you need to be tough. Smart and tough. You can't, like, you have to have a strong backbone because people are going to come after you hard and you just need to stay grounded. Um, yeah, I think those are, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things that you can go into. Oh, this was something for all maybe of the younger uh, um, aspiring leaders. I always had this vision of what a leader or president or head of school was. Maybe it's this really charismatic um, person who can get into a room and command a room or that's all BS. Leaders come in all shapes and sizes. Be true to yourself, right? There's introverts who are leaders, there's feelers, there's thinkers, you know, there's every single Myers-Briggs personality in there. Be you, be you. That's, and that's tough for new leaders. So I think that's it. We'll flip it now. Uh, well, let me just touch on that. You know, many of us began our careers as teachers. I, I remember my first year teaching, I was paired in a little office at Market High with the legendary Jim Carney, who it was an all-boys school. He wore cowboy boots and a big belt buckle, and he walked like a cowboy. He's from the northern, the northern Minnesota, and he was the legend. And so I was like, I got to become him. And for a year or two, I tried to be him, and I'm like, this is not working. <laughs> so then all of a sudden, I was like, I'm just going to be me. And I, I just became, you know, I, um, it was so much better when I just didn't try to be Jim. I tried to be Rob. I didn't try. I just was Rob. And I think that's the same thing in leadership, that when, when I've had leadership roles, and I try to be someone else, it doesn't work. Just be you. And, and just looking at all of you who have been with you for 24 hours, you're all different. And, and that's, that's your asset. And use that asset. That's your God-given talents. Catholic Virtual is the trusted online education partner of Catholic schools worldwide. We develop customized online learning solutions to meet the needs of our partner schools and their students. Visit our website at www.catholicvirtual.com to learn more. Now back to the episode. So this is sort of fun. Now I'm in charge, right? <laughs> All right. So, Rob, you probably know more Catholic school leaders than anybody else in the entire country. I, I think that's a fact, actually. <laughs> um, how can you pick out a strong leader in five minutes when you go and walk into his or her office? Well, I did this for you. <laughs> Who's in charge now? <laughs> 
No, I remember when we met and the first thing you wanted to do was tour the school because you were very proud of the school. When we were walking around Mater Day, there was a piece of garbage down. John picked it up. That is the number one indicator of a, what will become a successful president because he owned the school. There's an old Jesuit that Carlos and I know, Father Parks, who taught me this. Whenever we would assess a school, he said, the first thing we're doing is walking the school. And he was looking, all he was looking for is, do they pick the garbage up? He was so crafty that he carried a piece of paper in his pocket. And if there was no paper, because it was a clean school, a good president, he knew when he's going to come back down the hall, he dropped the paper on the ground to see if he picked it up. And that's, that's the only thing he needed to know. He said, we can be in and out in five minutes, and I can guarantee you that test. Thank you. Um, how has the profile of the typical Catholic school leader changed or evolved over the last 20 years? Well, a big one is that, you know, right in this room, there are no religious. So the aspiring leaders are lay people. We're blessed here at, at, at Eiley at Lone Rock to have two Jesuit priests with us, but that's unusual. Last time we did this, we didn't have any. So I think the biggest change you know, when I went to high school at Market High in 1984, there were 30 Jesuits there. Uh, I mean, 30. Think about that. Think about Marian Catholic with 30 Dominican nuns. Um, so that has not only changed leadership, changed the schools. And so I think the onus is, is on us now um, to take on that, not only the CEO role, which I think we've focused a lot on with lay people, but also to be the spiritual CEO. And we did a survey of 40 school leaders, only Six, if you guys read that article, I think six were getting regular spiritual direction. Um, you can't be a spiritual CEO if you're not praying regularly and having direction regularly. Um, it's sort of like having a coach. You know, if you're going to be playing a sport, if you're you know, going to be competitive, you've got a coach. And they're going to hold you accountable, but they're also going to help you improve. You need that in your prayer life. And, you know, uh, in our article, Pope Francis had the great line. Someone said to him, well, I don't have 30 minutes a day to pray. And he said, well, you should be doing it now or a day then. Yeah. Um, so that, I think, is where it's going to evolve. But it's, it's exciting, though, for me. I think that we as lay leaders have an, an opportunity to grab this and, and own not only the, the business end, which John's talked a lot about, but the spiritual end. You know, we need that. Like, that's our identity. That is we're Catholic schools. And so that would be uh, how I'd answer that one. I think I have one more question. Um, I think your daughter is going to be joining us today, and she's in education, and she's an aspiring leader as well. Um, how are you going to prepare her or coach her to be a eventual Catholic school leader? Um, I don't know that she'll be a Catholic school leader, but she wants to be a school leader. She's <laughs> she's early childhood, so a little bit different than than what we're talking about here. Um, well, and she had the opportunity to come here when my para reunion was here, and she met all of these amazing people, and she left saying, Dad, that was the coolest room I've ever been in. She's like, that's what I want to do. And so she was like already thinking of like getting into administration. So I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to teach. And I said, you got to do at least five, if not seven years, to get that credibility uh, that when, whenever I was introduced when I was CEO of Christa Ray, They'd say all this stuff about my background and blah, blah, blah. And, and then they'd be like, but the reason we trust and like Rob is he began in the classroom and he was there for seven years and instant credibility. So you guys are a bit beyond that. But any young person listening to this, I would say get in the classroom, get in the weeds, and, and you have to do five to seven years to get the credibility you will need to do what you're doing and then eventually to be the, the, 
the president and CEO. Um, before we turn to you for questions, I do have a few other traits that I'll share with you when John and I were thinking about this. Carlos helped me with this a bit too. Um, what would I say, what would I want someone to tell me if I was thinking of becoming a Catholic school president? And, and one is you've got to love the students. And an example of that is Father Jim Gartland was president of Christ Ray Jesuit in Chicago. And every morning he would greet the students and he'd say, good morning, saints. And they weren't the saints. That wasn't, they were the Christeros. His point was, your job in life is to become the saint of who you are. And every morning he greeted them by name and good morning, saints, because he loved those kids. And you, if you don't love the kids, you're in the wrong business. So that, that's critical. Another one is, is uh, the spirituality of fundraising, that you've you got to raise money. There's a president of a Catholic university recently who said she doesn't like to raise money. Guess how long she lasted? <laughs> Not very long. But if you go into it with the mindset of spirituality, and there's a book, and if anyone uh, is interested, and Henry Nowen wrote the book on spirituality fundraising that Carlos reminded me of, and I bought it to share with any of you if you want to see it while we're here. Um, but he talks about sharing your passion for your work and inviting people into it. John's got a major donor that he is so engaged and they're engaged and they're, you know, it's not just asking for money. You'll, you'll be a failure if that's what it is. It's inviting them into the mission and getting them engaged in the mission. Um, then you'll, you won't be just fundraising. Then you'll be inviting someone to your cause. And so that, that is a big part of it. You got to acknowledge as CEO, you need to raise money. Um, no money, no mission. And tuition doesn't cover all the, all the costs. Um, I think when I look at the best presidents that I've worked with over the past 30 years, uh, the best ones listen more than they talk. Um, uh, Katie and I are blessed to work with a very good CEO, and he does a great job putting an issue on the table, and then he steps back. And he lets everybody hammer around and hammer around. And, you know, everyone's voice is in there. And then he, kind of, then he comes back in, and he said, this is what I've heard. Gives another chance to disagree, and then he's like, this is what we're doing. And John will talk about a fist of five. And if, you know, everyone goes in a fist of five, five, you're all in. One, you're, you don't believe it. And so then if it's a bunch of ones, we keep hashing around. If a couple threes, it's like, well, you got you to gotta buy in. I'm sorry, you disagree. And when we walk out of the room, everyone's on board. You may not have agreed with the decision, but you agreed with the process. And we've, I mean, Katie's on our leadership team. She's seen this the past year. He, he does a great president, puts it on the table and lets his team, trust his team. John talked about that. Trust the team to get to the right answer. And then, but he's got to guide him. Um, John talked about this, makes decisions even when they're unpopular. And the past few years, your colleagues that I've worked with, it's been a rough couple of years. And they had to make tough decisions where half the people in the community were pissed no matter what you did. But you had to make those decisions. And, and John talked about this when, he, when we were prepping, is you can't have a uh, Velcro suit on. Like, they're going to be throwing darts at you all the time, and you, you, can't, you can't let them stick, as hard as that is. My final one, and this is an interesting one, is a good president has a strong administrative assistant. That is critical. So when I work with a lot of our, our school, schools, I don't go to Matt Powell. I go to, I go to um, Caroline Gerlomes, who's, by the way, been there through four presidents and really runs a school. But, that, but it, she makes Matt more effective because he's not dealing with the little stuff like I'm getting his airline. T- like, when is Matt flying? Like, that's not the best use of Matt's time. I go to Caroline because I know Caroline's got, he, she bought the ticket and knows. 
But having a strong administrative assistant allows a president to be out doing their job. And it's critical that, that when you get into that seat, you've you got to find someone if, they're, if they aren't there. So that ends the formal part of our podcast. This is quite fun. Um, and would open to our audience for questions. And uh, I just uh, if you have a question, if you'll come up and grab the microphone so that our listeners can hear. And if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. Um, so Annie Matthews, uh, interim assistant head of school at Providence High School in Burbank, California. And th- it really resonated with me that you said it's a confidence game. And at the same time, humility is so important. And so th- I know those are not mutually exclusive things, that one can be both confident and have humility and be humble. Um, but I found in this position this year that sometimes there's a real tension between those two and it's difficult sometimes to know when to really trust that confidence or when to say, perhaps I need to humble myself for a moment um, and not be quite as gung-ho or as, as confident as I'm feeling. So if you could speak a little more about that, about that tension between confidence and humility, that would be great. That's a really good question. So I think it depends on the constituents. With your parents, you have to be confident all the time. With your faculty and staff, you have to be confident. With your leadership team, that's when you can be humble and vulnerable. Right? Because they're your team and you're working together to support you. So you have to have those few people where I think you can be really humble. You can have, there can be certain humble acts as well, like the chairs picking up trash. But as far as when you're meeting with those, real those Three constituents, students, parents, teachers, confidence, confidence, confidence. You can never waver, ever. So I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, and I'll talk about this next. With leadership team, the vulnerability is key. I need some help here. I'm struggling with this one. That's great. And it's hard to do that, but if anybody on your team takes advantage of that, they should not be on your team, right? So, I can't top that. <laughs> Other questions? I think we confused everybody. Nope, no, Colleen's got one. <laughs> Colleen Peabody, uh, Vice President for Advancement at Marion Catholic High School in Chicago Heights, <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> Um, When you talk about a turnaround plan, I assume, you know, there was an elaborate or not so elaborate strategic plan. And I have found, you know, we we have a strategic plan or we have plans. And how do you keep the team focused on that and keep them, you know, and keep them accountable to the goals and keep the goals simple enough that you can measure them regularly, but not, but that they're meaningful. And how do you keep everyone focused on that plan? Because in schools, so many people have a lot of brilliant ideas and want to go a million different directions. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I'm really happy you asked that question. Great question. The next session is going to be focused exclusively on that, but I'll answer that for the podcast. Um, so I think for a turnaround, you need to show small wins, right? You need to keep showing small wins. I'm not a fan of strategic plans. 
I think they're way too cumbersome. They're too long. And then people don't look at them. They go on a shelf. So I like having things very simple. We call it a playbook at the table group. One page document that talks about what are your immediate goals? How do you make decisions? And then each week you're going to score those goals. So I like doing that because then you can see the progress. At um, Modern Day, one of the things we talked about was there was really one goal was to get to 1,000 students. I said, nothing else matters. Nothing else. That's the only thing we are focused on. It even got so bad where I would tell my executive assistant that I'm not taking any meetings from any faculty and staff unless it was about ways to grow enrollment. So it's sort of like so singularly focused that that's it. And then you celebrate the small wins constantly. So we had our new entrance test or we had the open house and we were up by 10%. Great job, everybody. Everybody get free dress. We're all doing it. We're all in this together. We're all part of the admissions team. So um, I think hopefully that answers. I'll go into a lot more detail, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of having a very um, one focus. One, I think you can focus on one thing at a time. I think, oh, this is another thing I didn't say before. I see a lot of new school principals, and they try to do five things in the first year. They're guaranteed to fail. Zero chance. One thing. You can do one thing at a time. So um, whether or not it's improving your curriculum or changing to an IB program or doing something, focus on one, knock it out of the park. Because you're getting hit all day with so many different things. So if you don't have that singular focus, you're going to fail. So, um, but we'll talk a lot more about that. Good questions. Great question. Others? If not, I'll conclude with a comment from Kent Hickey, who was at Seattle Jesuit Prep and now at Garces Memorial. He said, the job as president of a Catholic school is the hardest job you'll ever love. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think you could summarize it any better. It is the hardest job that you'll ever love. So with that, thank you for listening to the next class. Thank you for joining us, our live audience, for the first time. And we hope to see you again on the next class.